Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 412, and today we are talking about books being released on May 2nd, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! How's it going? Good, how are you doing? Okay, I'm okay. I've been feeling better, so I started organizing my upstairs library, which... Like three hours into it, I wished I had not. <laughs> like, it is uh, a giant project. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I just feel so lucky and grateful to like have this space and mm. to have these books. You know, when I was a little kid, we had no space and we had no mm. place to keep books. And it was always a dream to have like my own library. So yeah. I have this little attic space. And, you know, because the walls are pitched. Like, it, you can't really stack, like, big bookcases up, so instead I have tons of little bookcases that I got, like, little two-foot-tall cases, and I've mm-hmm. arranged them in little aisles, like, around the room. They're just, like, the perfect size for cats. It's like a cat library. <laughs> like, they can browse the aisles, but mostly they just want to sit on them. Yeah. And I started alphabetizing, and I don't know, it just makes me feel better when I'm, when I'm doing it, mm-hmm. and that is just, like, going to be my happy place for the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully I'll finish it up before it gets too hot because then you just can't stay upstairs. It's just, yeah. it's like, blah. So. I hope you can find some gravity-defying shelves to go all the way up the <laughs> slanted Oh, ceiling. that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like it must be possible. I really hate the, the color of the walls. Like, the, the mm. last owners, they painted them this really awful peach color that you could probably see mm. in the dark. And so I figure if I stack the books up on the sides and then cover the walls with posters, like, it'll be fine. Nice. And I don't really, I don't really <laughs> care about it that much. But it's it's my new happy place. And I'm just so lucky. I just feel so lucky I'm up there. Also, I'm not going to lie. I have fabulous taste in books. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, looking at these stacks because they've been sitting up there for years. Like, I started, like, in 2021, I moved all the books downstairs, upstairs, and then they just sat there. And so now downstairs is full, which is why I'm doing this, because my husband's like, there are no flat surfaces <laughs> without books on them except for the kitchen counter now. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm, like, moving stuff around, and I'm like, I have great taste in books. <laughs> <laughs> these are still perfect books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get around to them any second. <laughs> yeah, they're so great. So... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just in a good mood and excited. (laughs) Feeling better does a lot for you. (laughs) When I was a kid and had no space for books, I put my books into my dresser in the drawers. Oh, yeah. And then I pulled out the top drawer and it fell onto me and I got pinned underneath Oh, no! (laughs) That's not how I thought that story was going to go. I had to, like, go yell until my mom came and (laughs) saved me. But, you know, book love can be dangerous. (laughs) It's true. You know, I've gotten concussions. 
I did. Mm-hmm. I had these long, tall bookcases that I had on their sides because of the way the walls are. You know, they meet in the mm-hmm. middle. And so I stood one up in the middle to like move it, but then I had to go downstairs to get something. And all of a sudden, I heard this thump, 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 thump. Like, and I was like, "Oh no!" One of the cats had jumped at it, and I went upstairs, and he was looking at me like, "What is happening?" He was like, "Oh no!" But luckily, it did not fall over because then it would have hit the wall and like scarred it. But yeah, books and drawers. That's very that's very Gilmore Girls. If I remember correctly, <laughs> doesn't she like hide her books? Yeah, she hide them, but like keeps them in drawers. Or is it in the floorboards? I don't remember. I watched like two or three episodes of that show. I know it's under her bed. I don't know if it's in oh, drawers yeah. too. Like instead of a trundle bed, you have like a thing. That would be cool. Yeah. Um. So uh, we like books. In case. Mm-hmm. People didn't catch on to that. A couple of things. Uh, today is episode four twelve. The area code four twelve covers Pittsburgh in the seat of Allegheny County and covers also parts of the Washington and Westmoreland counties as well. I don't know if I've been to Pittsburgh. Like, I took a bus from Boston to Chicago once and I drove all through kinds of Pennsylvania, but I don't know if Pittsburgh was part of it. I slept through a lot of it, so. (laughs) But maybe. So hello to everyone in Pittsburgh and all those other counties. And... Before we get started, we have a couple more things to tell you. First, we're going to hear from a sponsor. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and now we're going to tell you about something exciting and new. BookRiot.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill explores the wide bookish world with interviews, lists, ranking, retrospectives, recommendations, and much more featuring people you know and love books. Where can you hear all this? In the First Edition podcast, which just launched in April. You can subscribe to First Edition on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice. Recent episodes include Vanessa and Kelly digging into the legacy of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, You can find out if Rebecca and Jeff correctly determined the It Book of April. And you can hear from Professor Erica Williams about Nella Larson in honor of the new Complete Fiction of Nella Larson collection. So that is the first edition podcast. You can check it out now. All right. So here we are. This book got moved. It's now today. It's my favorite book of the year gonna get real excited. You've already heard me say this 500 times now. It is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibrenya. Ajibrenya wrote the Friday Black Story Collection, which is just incendiary. I mean, just amazing. One of the best story collections I've ever read. I saw him read from it 
uh, before it came out and I was like, I have to read that. And it was amazing. This novel is unlike anything I've ever read. It is brilliant. It is brutal. It's mind bending and possibly life changing. Hopefully mind changing for some people. It's set in a near future America where the country has just stopped pretending that they really care to rehabilitate prisoners and are just having a prison system for profit. And part of that is this show that they have created. It's a reality show. It's a MMA gladiator style show. Has a huge audience. America loves it because, of course, they do. Except the gladiators on this show are actual prisoners. And as the season goes on, the prisoners fight one another to the death. Like, one person dies, the prisoner goes on to the next round. And at the end of the season, the prisoner who is left gains their freedom. So, we are dropped into the beginning of a season of the show. Um, and through the story of lovers and fighters, Loretta Through War and Hurricane Stacks, we are going to find out about the very real racist and inhumane prison system as it exists today. Like, that is not fiction. And as Loretta and Hurricane get closer to the end of the season, as I said, they, they love each other, what's going to happen? Because only one of them can remain. Also, at the beginning of the season, someone in their group is murdered. They don't know what happened there. And there's also a group of protesters outside the prison who are protesting the show and the prison system, and there's some connection there to one of the prisoners. This book also makes the most amazing use of footnotes I have ever seen in a novel. Ajay Brenya uses the footnotes to educate readers on the facts, like true facts, of prisons and their treatment of prisoners especially those from marginalized communities. Like, there are a couple, like, footnotes that are about characters in the book, but these are all, like, actual statistics and uh, events that have taken place. He's really up on all this information. Ajibanya's dad worked as a criminal defense attorney. That's where he draws some of his inspiration for this. It is so hard to categorize this novel because it's kind of like a dystopian sci-fi, you know, adventure novel, maybe? But... It is such an important and necessary work. I sat down and read this in one sitting and told everyone this was going to be the best book that came out in 2023. And I still believe that. I do want to tell you that just based on what I've told you, you can probably already guess there are so many content warnings for this book, including lots of injury, violence, gore, murder, suicide and self-harm, racism and racial slurs, police brutality, confinement and torture related to the prison system, sexual assault, misogyny and homophobia, and loss of a loved one. This book is amazing. Go get it right now. It is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibanya. Well, with how many books you read in a year, if you say it's the best book of the year, that is really <laughs> impressive. Well, I used to be really good at guessing like what books were going to get nominated for what awards, and mm. my I'm off. I've been really off the last few years, so... I would like to think that this one is going to win all the awards, but I'm just not mm -hmm. going to say it because maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm bad luck. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it out loud. Your taste has evolved past the, <laughs> the award sector. Yeah. All right. The first book I want to talk about is a definite 
tone shift, <laughs> but also great. And it is Imogen, obviously, by Becky Albertalli. So this is the author of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which became Love, Simon, the movie. But this is actually my first Becky Albertalli book. And now I understand the hype. I loved this. It's so funny reading YA now that I am you know, twice the age of many of the main characters. And I find myself still enjoying them, but just in a different way, where I feel very protective of the main characters. And I don't think I have found that more in any other YA book than this one. I wanted so badly to just give Imogen a hug. She is a high school senior who is a very enthusiastic queer ally, even though she is, as she puts it, hopelessly straight. So her sister and two closest friends are all queer. She goes to every Pride Alliance meeting. Her favorite movie is But I'm a Cheerleader. And she collects different editions of One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, which is all very heterosexual behavior. (laughs) Her best friend Lily is a year ahead of her and has already joined university, which Imogen will be going to soon in a few months. And she has found this great queer friend group. And Imogen is really happy for her and also feels a little bit out of place. She hasn't been visiting her because she doesn't want to intrude as a cis straight person. But Lily finally convinces her to visit. And when she does, Lily drops a bombshell on her and says that when she arrived and she met all of these amazing out queer people, she felt a little bit insecure about not having a serious relationship with a girl before. So she lied to them and said that her and Imogen were exes. So now everyone thinks Imogen is bisexual, including Tessa, who is Lily's friend that is a lesbian and gives Imogen butterflies, which is obviously just Imogen queer baiting inside her own head. So as you can probably tell by now, Imogen as a character broke my heart. She is people pleasing. She's an overthinker. She analyzes herself to death. She twists herself into knots and to the point where she's losing sight of very obvious things like you don't have a crush on someone because you're trying to fake it inside your own head and you are queer baiting silently to yourself. She has this friend named Gretchen who really considers herself the authority on all things queer and can be pretty toxic about it. And that's definitely part of the reason that Imogen is having such a hard time realizing that she is not actually hopelessly straight. In one of the graphics to advertise this book, the author describes Imogen as having queer discourse brain worms, which I think is a good way to put it. She's trying to educate herself, but she thinks there's only one right way to be queer. And because she doesn't feel the exact same way about girls as she does with her crushes on guys, she thinks that means she doesn't like girls at all. So this is a very internal book. It's really inside her head for the most part. And that is not the nicest place to be for her. She 
really longs to be part of the queer community. And I'm sure that that is an experience for some cis straight person out there in the world. But it is a very common experience for queer people. I remember when I was in middle school, and I was so excited to join the Gay Straight Alliance. And I said that if I could choose, I would be pansexual and panromantic. But I also considered myself hopelessly straight back then. So I definitely feel for Imogen. I found Gretchen a really interesting character, a really difficult character. A lot of people will hate her, which I completely understand. But I kind of feel like my high school self was somehow right between Imogen and Gretchen. An anxious overthinker, but who was also so deep in queer discourse that I thought I knew it all. Gretchen is going through a lot of things and lashing out at other people. And I hope, even though this is a fictional character, I hope this is just the beginning of a journey of her processing and coming to a a better place. There's also, of course, the adorable Tessa Imogen romance as Imogen falls for her and doesn't even realize she's doing it. It's very cute. Also, both of them are Jewish, which I was just talking to Dahlia Adler on Twitter about how there's a bunch more queer Jewish YA books coming out, which is awesome. And it's fun to have both the main character and the love interest be Jewish. So that was really cute. And I just loved this book, even though being inside of Imogen's head could be a little too relatable. At times, I really enjoyed it. And now I totally understand the Becky Albertalli hype. I highly recommend this one to any queer person who once also thought they were hopelessly straight. And that is Imogen, obviously, by Becky Albertalli. All right. Have I mentioned yet that today is like the most amazing day for new releases? Yeah. This late (laughs) spring. I feel like this every Tuesday this year. So that's a good sign. So my next pick is The Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Carr. This is a novella from the author of Nothing But Blackened Teeth. I loved this one so much. It is so weird and effed up. The whole time I was reading it, I was like, uh, what? Okay, I like this, but what? (laughs) And it's a small book, so I'm going to just give it a small endorsement because I don't want to give too much of it away. It is about a mermaid. And a plague doctor. Yes, a plague doctor who wears the long mask, like the... I always think of it as like the spy versus spy mask, you know. Um, They are traveling together after the mermaid's cannibal children literally eat them out of house and home and family and citizens in their town. Uh, The mermaid has given birth to a bunch of daughters who have a lot of teeth and an insatiable appetite. So now they've decided to hit the road and, like... In my head, A Mermaid and a Plague Doctor is, like, the buddy road comedy that I really want. Like, it's it's fantastic. But they're traveling, and in their travels, they come across a group of children who are playing a very upsetting game. And they're like, uh, you shouldn't be doing this. And the kids are like, oh, yeah, no, it's totally fine. We can do this. Like, this is what we do. Uh, and they discover, after they insist that the children take them to their guardians... They discover that there is this village of children uh, and who are overseen by three supposed saints, but they're not really good people slash creatures or whatever they are. And it's not a great place for the children to live, even though they're told that it is and that what they're doing is great. And the mermaid's like, mm, 
not my circus, not my monkeys. But the plague doctor insists that they stay and help the children. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies meets the Hush episode of Buffy, if you know what I mean. Where, like, no one can speak because those creepy doctor people, like, put a curse on the town. There is Gorglore, which I loved. And terrible things just happening to everyone all the time. So I want to give content warnings, including violence, murder, death, mutilation, and gore, cannibalism, misogyny, and harm and death to both children and adults. This is The Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Ka. I started reading that. I was considering it. And then I quickly realized I needed to be in the right headspace. (laughs) Because it's not only really weird and gory, but it's also their writing style is so interesting. It's very, like, dense, I guess I would say. It's got a lot of interesting vocabulary choices and things. I remember, yeah, when I read their sci-fi book, I was like, wow, this is amazing. But also, like, I got to read this slowly (laughs) to, (laughs) to be able to follow. So I am looking forward to reading that one. And I think in October, I like to keep my horror reads to October. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a book where I endorse it and then my brain is going, what have you done? Like, <laughs> people are going to be like, why would you want to read that? Uh, because it's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. My next book is Homebodies by Tembi Denton Hurst. This is about Mickey, who is a Black queer author in New York City, trying to make a name for herself. She knows that she's a brilliant writer. She has an eye for the right kind of stories to be writing at the right times. She has incisive commentary. But the problem is that she doesn't really have an opportunity to use these skills. The magazine that she writes for has been bought out, and the new ownership It's pretty skeptical of her ideas, especially the ones that center blackness or queerness. So right now she is stuck churning out stories on a tight deadline that are mostly kind of inane celebrity news stories or, you know, just lists of lip gloss and not a lot of things that she gets to put her own creative flair on. She lives with her girlfriend, Lex, who is very supportive and caring, but she is also very close with her mother, who does not approve of Mickey and Lex's relationship, does not really approve of Lex being queer at all, and has tried to break them up multiple times. So despite everything that is great in their relationship, this is a fight they circle back to over and over. This book, it's interesting because it takes place at a low point in Mickey's life. It's kind of this in-between story. It's very quiet and contemplative, contemplative. It's hard to describe the plot without spoiling anything. The back cover description tells you about 75% of the plot. Like You don't reach the end of that description until you're about three quarters of the way through the book. So if you don't want to know anything about what happens even though this really isn't about the events as much as Mickey is processing of them. Do keep that in mind. Maybe skip the back cover. But we are coming into her life when she has just been fired and very quickly replaced. So even though this was kind of an awful job at this point that she was not enjoying, she takes this really hard 
she has been going through so much racism at work, and then she is so quickly fired and replaced by another Black woman. And she basically is just staying on the couch, eating takeout for weeks, not looking for a new job, not doing anything. She doesn't really know what to do with her life now. And what she ends up doing is basically the last thing she would have expected from herself, which is that she goes home. She kind of takes a break from her relationship with Lex, and she goes home to Maryland, and she's staying with her grandmother, trying to decide what she wants to do with her life now. And that's made even more complicated when she bumps into her ex. I recommend reading an article the author wrote at The Cut called It Doesn't Matter If We Behave, and it really gives a good background into why she wrote Homebodies, especially in the impossible standards for quote-unquote professionalism for Black women. And she talks about how she wanted to provide Mickey a soft place to land, a place where she can process her feelings instead of having to just push through as many most Black women have to do in this situation and just keep pushing and finding the next job and the next thing to do. She wanted to give her a little bit of space that most people don't get to have. I felt so tense reading this first section of the book because I kind of work in digital media now and her experience feels like a literal nightmare. I love my job, but the idea of writing on that strict a deadline and having a supervisor who doesn't respect you, who is undermining you all the time and going through all of these microaggressions. I don't even know if you call them microaggressions, but they have basically the thinnest veneer of plausible deniability so that you can't really point to any one thing as the glaring example of racism, but experiencing them over and over and over. I just can't imagine having to do that day after day. It just is miserable. So again, because there's not, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm going to keep the plot description to that. But this is basically Mickey being a bit of a mess and being in that in-between point. It's very interior, very thoughtful. There's no neat conclusions to her story. She is still figuring herself out and still deciding how she's going to navigate really a no-win situation. This is one I'm really interested to see other readers' responses to, especially other queer Black women. But I definitely recommend it, especially if you want something that is a look into the media landscape for Black women, for queer women in particular. And that is Homebodies by Tembi Dentonhurst. Okay. So those are books we have read and loved. And now we're going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. And first, we're going to hear from another sponsor. And Danica, you're going to kick it off today. Okay, I will roll into my next one then. So yes, I'm talking about all queer books today, and three of them are queer YA because... That's what we're doing. <laughs> so this one is Ander and Santi Were Here by Johnny Garza Villa. This is from the author of 1500 Miles from the Sun. It's being compared to Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. It is about Ander Martinez, who is a non-binary Mexican-American muralist who works at their parents' taqueria. 
They are currently taking a gap year before starting art school, and their family has insisted that they quit the restaurant to devote this time to their art. But the family has just hired a new waiter for the restaurant, Santi, and Ander can't stay away. So they fall for each other with Ander helping Santi feel more at home in the U.S. and Santi helping Ander develop their own artistic style. But when ICE agents come for Santi, everything falls apart. This looks like a beautiful and heartbreaking read. Sonora Reyes, who's the author of The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School, says this will destroy your heart and piece it back together and you will thank them for it. And Publishers Weekly says it's a blistering tale of enduring love and communal care. So I am really looking forward to reading this, looking forward to having my heart broken by it. And that is Ander and Santi Were Here by Johnny Garza Villa. Okay, so I mentioned that there were a lot of books out today that are amazing. And for many, many minutes, I tried to pick what two I wanted to talk about. And it was so hard. Uh, so I just decided to mention several today that are worthy of mentioning. Well, I mean, so many more are, but like, I'm excited about these. And I'm going to give you a quick little rundown of them. Starting with Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Boley. Boley is the author of The Firekeeper's Daughter. And this YA novel is set in the same place as Firekeeper's Daughter on uh, Sugar Island, I think it was called. And it is about uh, one of the twins in a family who is feeling kind of left out and her family becomes caught up in a murder investigation taking place. If you haven't read Firekeeper's Daughter, read that right now and then read this one. You Are Here by Karen Lynn Greenberg, which just got a huge bump because Celeste Ng uh, promoted it, I think, on Instagram and now everybody's talking about it. This is about a mall closing. Malls, do we still have those? We must have a few. And how this is going to affect the residents of the town where the mall is closing and also a tragedy that happens. Your Plantation Prom is Not Okay by Kelly McWilliams. This is a YA novel about a young black girl who lives in an old plantation in the South turned into an enslaved people's museum. Her father is a historian and he worked to do this. And she finds out that a mother-daughter duo are planning on hosting an antebellum-themed wedding next door to their museum uh, for a celebrity couple who are getting married. And she's going to take it upon herself to try and change their mind about doing this. The Ferryman by Justin Cronin. Cronin is the author of The Passage Trilogy, which was like a huge, huge, huge deal about vampires and the end of the world. And it was so good. My unpopular opinion is that the second book was the best in the trilogy. But like I said, it's an unpopular opinion. This one is about a group of people in an island utopia who think that they are safe from the deteriorating world outside. They have moved to this island utopia because everything is going to hell. Uh, but it turns out that they're not safe there either. Um, this book is huge. It's such a huge book. I love big books. It made me so happy when I saw it. Speaking of big books, The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. Verghese is the author of Cutting for Stone. We have been waiting a very long time, 15 years, I think, maybe. Maybe not that long uh, for a new novel. This is an epic about three generations of a family on South India's Malabar coast in which one person is destined to die by drowning in each generation. And Gone to the Wolves by John Ray. When I saw the cover of this book before I knew what it was about, I said, this book is about heavy metal. 
And I was right. This is about a group of heavy metal-loving friends who are outcasts in a very conservative Florida town in the 1980s where loving heavy metal is bad. So those are just a few of the books out today. I think they're all in hardcover, and they just all sound so good. And to add another book to your list, because obviously we are overloading you today. <laughs> the next one I want to talk about is Margot Zimmerman Gets the Girl by Brianna R. Shrum and Sarah Waxelbaum. And this is my third queer YA book I'm talking about today. But that's because, as we all know, May is Queer YA Month. Publishers need to get them out in time to add to your Pride TBRs. So I've noticed there's this flood in May, and I love it. So definitely you need to know about this one. This is also the second Jewish sapphic YA book I'm talking about today. Both the main characters are Jewish. There's Margot Zimmerman, who is a straight A student overachiever. And when she realizes that she's gay, she feels like she's missed out on a lot. And now she needs to take a crash course in queerness so she can ace it like she aces everything else. And that's where Abby comes in. Abby is not exactly an academic overachiever, but she is an expert in her own queerness. She has been out as bisexual since the eighth grade, and she's happy to teach Margot how to be queer, as long as Margot tutors her in history class so she can bring up her failing grade and get into her dream school. But the more time they spend together, the more Margot realizes that she is falling for Abby. Margot is also autistic, which isn't representation I see a lot in queer lit, so I'm happy to hear that. This looks like it'll be a good bet for fans of Sierra Smith, Jennifer Dugan, Kelly Quinlan, and Dahlia Adler. And that is Margot Zimmerman Gets the Girl by Brianna R. Shrum and Sarah Waxelbaum. Okay, so because I did like a little roundup of books, I'm going to jump straight into the paperback round now, which again, was so hard for me to choose because there are so many paperbacks coming out today. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with Life Ceremony, stories by Sayaka Murata and translated by Ginny Tapley Takamori. This is a collection of stories from the author of Convenience Store Woman, but they have a lot darker content. Trust by Hernan Diaz. This is a novel within a memoir within a novel about a Wall Street tycoon Voted one of the best books of last year by pretty much everyone. It was so great. I loved this book so much. The Other Mother by Rachel M. Harper. This is a Book Riot favorite. It's about a college student who goes looking to learn more about his late father and discovers his mother was involved with another woman. After the Lights Go Out by John Vercher. This is about a mixed-race MMA fighter who is uh, experiencing early dementia but is offered the chance at a comeback fight which he desperately needs because he needs the money. So does he risk his health to fight? We're going to find out. We Do What We Do in the Dark by Michelle Hart. This is about a student who begins an affair with a married professor. Hide by Kirsten White. I loved this book. It's a really creepy horror book. It's about a group of people who are recruited for what they are told is a reality show to be filmed in an abandoned amusement park, but really bad things start happening. There is a graphic novel adaptation of this coming later this year, and it's also been picked up to become an adaptation. I do not remember if it's a movie or a television show, but that's also exciting. A Very Typical Family by Sierra Godfrey, also one of my favorite books of last year. 
This is a romance slash family drama about a woman who leaves her life basically because her boyfriend sucks. Uh, and she finds out that her mother has died across the country in California and is leaving the house to her and her two siblings, but they haven't talked in many years after an event that ended up with two of them going to jail. And so in order to inherit the house, they must reunite. But will they do it? The Lioness by Chris Bojalian, about an actress and her new husband who decide to honeymoon in Tanzania in 1964, but things go horribly wrong when there is an attempted kidnapping and they lose their guide. And what are they going to do now? There's also three celebrity memoirs out today. Simu Lee, Minnie Driver, and Jennifer Grey all have memoirs. If you're a fan of one or two or all of them, it's good to know. Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson. Love Kate Atkinson, one of the most amazing historical fiction writers that we have. This one is set in Soho in London after World War I about a nightclub owner and her family empire and how it might start to crumble. Tread of Angels by Rebecca Roanhorse. This is a historical fantasy western by the author of Trail of Lightning, Storm of Locusts, Black Sun. Basically, what you need to know is that Rebecca Roanhorse is awesome. And out in paperback as an original today is Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, a romance from the author of the runaway bestseller Every Summer After, which I think was a TikTok thing. I could be wrong, but that book was everywhere all of a sudden. Um, and people are very excited for this new one. So those are paperback picks for today. So Danica, what are you going to read next? I am currently reading The Faithless by C.L. Clark, which is the second book in the Magic of the Lost series. The first one was The Unbroken. And this was my most anticipated book of the year. I got an arc and I've just been so intimidated <laughs> to pick it up that I haven't <laughs> picked it up till now. And I am loving it so far. I'm only a few chapters in, but it is a military fantasy book about colonialism and it's queer and it's it's brilliant and I am excited to keep going with it and I obviously should have picked it up sooner but <laughs> I'm glad to be reading it now. What are you going to read next, Liberty? So I first want to mention a couple of things that I read last night because I loved them both so, so much. The first is the sequel to The First Cat in Space Ate Pizza. It is called The First Cat in Space and the Soup of Doom. It's by Mac Barnett and just write it down now. Just amazing. First Cat in Space is incredible. And I also read, I just randomly picked this up and I guess it's based on a Webtoon comic, but it's called Bean the Stretchy Dragon, a Sally and Bean adventure by Ali Stokrate. And it's... So cute. It's a dragon and he's super, super stretchy like a snake and he has these big puppy eyes. And I was like, I don't know what this is or why this is happening, but I'm so glad it's happening to me like the whole time I was reading it. It was amazing. So I wanted to mention those two because I loved them so much. And the next book that I'm going to read after I finish my work today, that's always the case, like I gotta finish my work so I can read, uh, is going to be Swim Home to the Vanished by Brendan Shea Basham, which comes out August 22nd. I just was hooked by the opening line of the description. It says, after the death of his brother, a grief-stricken young man seeks refuge and oblivion in a secluded fishing village dominated by a family of brujas. I was like, well, I'm in. Sold. 
So it's also endorsed by Tommy Orange, and I'll read anything that Tommy Orange endorses because I think really I just really want a new novel from Tommy Orange, so I read everything that he recommends. So very excited about that. Very excited about everything all the time. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I need a new new word for excited. Um, But that is all for today. You can subscribe to First Edition with Jeff O'Neill on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Sink. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. And keep the cat pictures coming. Tell us about your zip code, whatever you want to do there. Uh, You can find us online. Danica, where do you hang out? Mostly at lesbury.com, but sometimes on Twitter at lesbury. All right. And you can find me on Instagram at Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review because it helps other book lovers to find us. And book lovers are the best people. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link in our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading.